Okay, let's get started. Welcome to Linda's Life Lessons Podcast. As a teaching professor, my students often tell me that their favorite part of class was when I chatted with them in what they called Linda's Life Lessons. I would take five or ten minutes at some point in class, not every day, and chat about things that had come up, maybe in one-on-one meetings with students in my office or a question asked in class. There's pretty much nothing out of bounds. We talk about it. Sometimes students respond right away. Other times, they would reach out to me privately. Some of them are still in touch years later, referring to how something we talked about has stayed with them. I was unaware of how the students referred to the chats until a previous student stopped into my office. He, talking about you, Robert, surprised me by telling me how much he missed me and my chats now that he was finished with my class. I was shocked because he never said a word to me, not until this moment. He was like, well, I learned a ton about finance in your class, but Linda's life lessons were the best. The name stuck. In these podcasts, I share tips for students and parents, helpful guidance through the college years, and a few stories along the way. We chat about situations students have found themselves in and how we navigated it. Along the way, we talk about some do's and don'ts for parents, too. Okay, let's get started. Welcome to Linda's Life Lessons Podcast. In this episode, we talk about study habits, studying to learn. Many students get to college with a totally wrong idea of what learning is, and they end up so stressed because they have trouble being successful because they're doing the wrong thing. It's never a lack of work. Well, not usually a lack of work. It's just putting the effort into the wrong things. I've taught in a variety of disciplines, accounting, business communications, economics, finance, management, and marketing. I've taught students at all levels of their college education freshmen through seniors. Through all of this, there's a common challenge, a common issue for students, and it doesn't matter what subject the class is. Students get to college thinking and believing that they know how to learn. Many of them receive a rude, stressful, anxiety-provoking awakening at some point, usually during their sophomore year. At this awakening time, Many students change their habits and their student journey gets better. Far too many of them struggle on, not realizing that they need to change, that their professor's expectations and requirements are not unreasonable and are not going to change. What am I talking about? The vast majority of our students get to college thinking that memorizing is learning, that memorizing equals learning. Some of them sort of figure things out. Far too many of them struggle far more than they need to. Personally, I see this most frequently when I teach the second required class in the accounting classes that all business majors have to take, and also when I'm teaching principles of financial management. Faculty who teach in other disciplines, such as math and the sciences, make the same observations. Here's the typical student strategy for their classes. They don't read to prepare for a lecture because they don't understand the material. They go to class and frantically take notes and struggle to keep up, even when the professor provides notes for them to utilize. They complete any assigned work that is collected during a unit or a module. 
A few days before the exam, they start studying for that exam. Many even wait until the day before the exam to start preparing. In short, they cram. This is messed up on so many levels because they are trying to make their brains do things our brains are just not wired to do. It's no wonder why students' stress levels are off the charts. This habit, this way of working, is a big part of our students' problem. Let's talk about why this doesn't work and the steps that are needed to get to learning. We do tend to see this struggle more with the STEM-oriented classes. Here's an example to illustrate why the strategy I just outlined doesn't work. Let's say the student is studying microeconomics. This is a common freshman year class. It's a general education class that is also a foundation course for business classes, so a lot of students take this class. Usually a professor schedules exams after covering about three chapters. Using the strategy I described a few moments ago, the student, let's give him a name, Luke. Luke does the assigned work, turns in the assignments during the unit, and he does okay on them. It's Monday. His first exam is on Friday. He starts studying for the exam. Maybe he reviews his notes from class and keeps looking over the problems. On Thursday, he gets pretty serious about preparing for the exam, probably studies four or five hours that night. Luke does okay on this first exam. Let's say he gets a B. He's not thrilled because he feels he put a lot of time into preparing over the past couple of days, but he figures, well, it's the first exam. I'm just getting it figured out. I'll do better on the second exam because now I know what the exams in this class are like. To a certain extent, it is helpful to know how a professor approaches the exams, so there is some merit to that thought. The rest? Probably not going to work out the way Luke hopes. Luke continues through the next unit, approaching the second exam just like he did the first, studying the three chapters from the unit. On this exam, Luke gets a very low C, just barely above a D. Ugh! He's getting pretty frustrated. Maybe he starts to go for some tutoring. Maybe. The tutors will help him by explaining homework problems and such, but honestly, they really won't be much help for preparing for the next exam. Not that there's a problem with the tutors. The true problem is the way Luke is working. He's putting most of his effort in right before an exam, which means he is setting himself up for so much frustration, stress, and anxiety. Ugh. Here's the thing about the cramming approach to exams that Luke is utilizing and that the majority of students utilize. With this strategy, students typically do okay on the first exam. But with each successive exam, their scores drop lower and lower. So that exam one is their highest score, and by exam four and or the final exam, they are just barely passing the class. In truth, their homework grades are what keeps them at a passing level. Their exam scores pull their grades lower and lower. Can you imagine the anxiety these students suffer from as they approach their final exams? I can, because I see it all the time. Why the declining exam scores? Let's go back to Luke's cramming for the exam approach. For the first exam, he crammed three chapters, one, two, and three. 
He didn't really learn the material, but he got through the unit, so he thinks he's doing fine. The problem is, the next unit, chapters 4, 5, and 6, are built on the material from chapters 1, 2, and 3, meaning that Luke needs to understand those concepts because they're the foundation of the work for chapters 4 through 6. In truth, everything is going to look familiar, but Luke won't actually know the material. He'll cram chapters 4 through 6 for the second exam, but he'll lack the depth of knowledge he needs to correctly answer many of the questions on the exam. The cramming approach would work slightly better if Luke crammed the chapters from the first unit along with the chapters from the current unit, because he needs the material from the first three chapters to be able to complete and understand the material for the second exam. He'll be super frustrated during the exam, feeling that the exam is unfair because it's too long and he doesn't have enough time to complete it, there's too many problems. The length of the exam is not the problem. That's not Luke's problem. The trouble is that while the concepts are familiar to Luke, he doesn't know the material on a level where he can efficiently answer questions and solve problems. To illustrate this point to my students, here's what I do in my classes. Luke is in my class. On Monday, we work with a concept. To facilitate my students' understanding of the concept, we work some problems. I work one or two on the board. Time permitting, I have students work one or two problems with a partner. There's a chapter homework assignment that's due on Friday. Typically, my students tell me that when they're studying, they look over their notes. Luke does just that. Before class on Wednesday, he pulls out his notebook and looks over his notes. On Wednesday, at the start of class, I give a quiz. This quiz is entirely, only, one of the problems, or maybe two problems, that we did in class on Monday. Exactly the same problem. I don't change a thing. And the majority of the class flunks this quiz. They sit and they sit, and they get really frustrated. They'll come to me and tell me the pop quiz wasn't fair, that they knew it, but, and here's where you insert all sorts of excuses, from family came to visit, they had a paper due in a different class, and they had to work, and it goes on and on and on. To which I point out, if on Wednesday they can't do the exact problem we worked together on Monday, the material's familiar to them, but they haven't learned it. It's a good lesson, and some of the students quickly start to realize they need to work differently, but many of them stubbornly cling to their old habits mainly because this is what worked for them in high school. This works in high school for two reasons. High school is much slower paced, and high school exams are typically not at the same level of learning that college is. In college, students must move past remembering to understanding and then utilizing and working with the concepts. This leads them to critical thinking the number one thing employers tell us our students need to work on. Critical thinking is prized because it's the driver behind solving problems. If a person doesn't understand the basics, not just remember, understand, 
They can't solve the bigger problems. If I don't remember and understand the basic concepts of supply and demand, there's no way I can anticipate the effects of a pandemic on my business. Businesses need critical thinkers because that's how businesses survive and thrive. The point I'm making here with the simple, short quizzes in my classes is that there is a big difference between being familiar with something and actually knowing it on a level where you can duplicate it or do it backwards or sideways. Being familiar with the material before beginning to cram for an exam is not helpful. If, however, I can get my students to change their ways, their approach to their learning, in the end, there is no cramming. They do a bit of reviewing as they approach an exam, and they're ready to go. It saves them time. It ratchets down their stress and anxiety levels to nearly zero. And what they refer to as test anxiety nearly always disappears. This is because they learn the material, moving from familiar with it to knowing it. We deal with this all the time in the business world. It just doesn't register in the same way because there usually isn't a formal exam. Think about your first few weeks on a new job. Super stressful, right? Everybody is usually really helpful, but there's so much to take in, so many new things to learn. What's the first step? People show you how to do something. The next step is that they have you try it on your own. They're usually close by so they can help you, but you have to try it on your own. The thing is, if they show you on Monday and all you do is sort of look things over but don't actually try to do it until Friday or maybe into the next week, are you going to be able to do it correctly? No way! Then why would you expect to be able to remember how to do something your professor showed you but you never practiced or attempted until right before an exam? Not to mention that most of the time, when students do practice the problems from class, they do it with their notes right in front of them. This is not a recipe for successful learning, whether in class or on the job. We're just getting started in our chat about how to learn. In next week's podcast, I'll get into some pretty detailed strategies that have been proven to work. Seriously. For this week, I'll call it a win if I've gotten you to think about your approach to your studies, your approach to your learning, and how you might need to change it. We can get you to better. This is what I do. I offer learning coaching to my students. If you would like to work with me one-on-one for your own individualized learning coaching, go to my website to see if I've got any available time in my schedule. If not, hop onto my wait list and I'll be in touch when I do have an opening. Also, if you feel like you need to make some changes in what you are doing, click on the checklist link in the show notes. It will take you to a free checklist of my learning strategies and tips. Did you know I send out a weekly newsletter? Click on the newsletter link in the show notes so you can get it delivered straight to your inbox. I hope you have found value in this chat about studying to learn. May I ask a favor? If you found this meaningful, please subscribe to the Linda's Life Lessons podcast and tell your friends about this episode. Take a moment to write a review. Connect with me on Facebook or Instagram, and be sure to check out the show notes. Thank you. I'll see you next time. When I'm teaching, I end the week of classes with this message that I will now leave with you, my friend. Have a lovely, fantastic, and fun weekend, and please come back to me safely. 
see you next time.